Good morning. Welcome to the Biz Bros Podcast. We actually talk in front of the mic. My name is Kyle Nelson. Got my co-host here, Mr. Eli Libby. Wow, I love these intros. Keep them going, man. And uh, we're really excited. We've got a great guest today. We've got a really cool topic that uh, we're always looking to explore. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have someone that's definitely a thought leader in the space to kind of help us explore that topic a bit more. Um, Running a business to increase value and profitability. It's the goal, right? I mean, I think that's the goal goal at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm excited to hear hear her thoughts and her side on that. Yeah. So today we have Jessica Fiakovich on our um, podcast. We had her uh, business partner. Andy Canetta on here mm-hmm. a little while back. It was an awesome conversation. So oh, I yeah. think this is probably going to be oh, equally yeah. as awesome, if not more. Um, Jessica became a first-time entrepreneur at the age of 25 and since has been able to successfully establish, develop, and sell multiple small businesses in a number of different industries. As an entrepreneur, Jessica is passionate about small business driving our economy. That's huge. That's mm-hmm. very big. Mm-hmm. Because of this, she has committed to educating and supporting entrepreneurs and the small business community. Active in Entrepreneurs Organization, currently serving as the president of Colorado and the founder of the Small Business Coalition, a nonprofit giving small businesses support and voice. That is awesome. Oh, yeah. Jessica is originally a Jersey girl that now lives in Colorado with her husband and two dogs, Moose and Sailor. I like that. That's cool. Uh, and when she's not working, you can find her either enjoying the outdoors or attending a Bruce Springsteen concert. Oh, I yeah. like it. Jessica, welcome to the Biz Rose podcast. Well, thank you both for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, absolutely. We're really excited to have you here. Um, well, let's let's get let's get rolling. That yeah. was an amazing intro. Yeah. I think there's a lot of different things that we can jump into and dissect in that. I think what we really like is the small business uh, side of what you support and some of the things that you, that you do with um, within the small business community in Colorado and how that can kind of be amplified as the heartbeat of a community. We talk about how businesses are the heartbeat. Small yeah. businesses are the heartbeat of a community. And it sounds like you are on that same same path. Yeah, yeah, but it started started really my grandfather was a small business owner in a small town in Pennsylvania. Um, and really, I, I think back in, in those days, right, um, the, the communities thrived around the businesses on Main Street. And I think as we've grown as a society and technology and our reliance on online has grown, we've kind of drifted away from that. But there are the similar small business communities. Like I, I think where I'm at in Denver, Colorado is a great small business community and very supportive where you guys are at in Oregon too. And just trying to keep that alive and keep those small businesses thriving yeah. is really important to our success as a regional economy and Absolutely. also as a national economy. There's, some, there's something about a mid-sized, business, or mm-hmm. mid, mid-sized city. It's just like, I just feel oh, like yeah. it has that community support for entrepreneurship and small business. And there's the community wants to see nothing more yeah. but to see them thrive. So that's really cool to see that Denver has that as well. I know we were in Denver a couple of years ago mm-hmm. for an um, outdoor retailer and yeah. we could definitely feel it. It was really cool. Like, especially in the outskirts of downtown, there was like a lot of cool down uh, small businesses. So, yeah. Um, well, cool. So tell us a little bit more about um, your kind of focus and, and, and what you've gotten. Um, Excuse me, I'm going to back up. Tell us a little more how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So um, as you mentioned, I grew up in New Jersey. I actually was not like the entrepreneur, um, you know, the born entrepreneur. I didn't sell lemonade on the streets or anything like that. I thought I was going to be in corporate life um, for my whole life. I started working in sports. Um, So I worked for uh, the Philadelphia Flyers and NHL team out of college. Yeah. And then uh, moved out to Colorado for my now husband. And that was right around the Great Recession. So once that hit, we decided that we wanted to be responsible for our own lives instead of relying on corporate. 
So right. made the jump to start our own business at 24. Um, did a couple different industries, mainly focused in wine and spirits and developed, grew and sold those businesses um, to get us to where we are today, where we actually manage a business brokerage firm and an exit planning firm to help people do the same thing that we did with our businesses. Very cool. Wow. That is really cool. What was the, why did you guys pick wine and spirits? <laughs> I'd like to say there's like a lot of thought that went into it, but <laughs> yeah. there there wasn't. We had some good friends. We were living in Aspen at the time, and we had some cool. good friends that had a great concept. And we're like, they have a great life. Like, they get to drink wine all day, and it seems like they make a, a bunch of money. So we'll just duplicate yeah, their efforts. And cool. so we opened up a very similar store in a different city um, with their help. And uh, yeah, that's that was about as much thought as it went into it. It's like that's drink awesome. wine all day and make money. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sometimes less planning is better, right? You kind of go in blind and uh, you just kind of use your intuition more than try to take all these calculated risks and stuff. Yeah. Sometimes if your intuition just works better. So. Yeah. so the topic is running a business to increase value and profitability. I think to kick it off, what is your definition of value and profitability? So when we're looking at value, we're looking at the valuation of a business for what a buyer would be willing to play in the marketplace. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the purpose, cool. obviously, with a lot of our clients is to get them to that exit. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at valuation as defined by what the market would define valuation. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of to dovetail on that is profitability is net profit, right? So valuation, we can get into this valuation is always a function of net profit or your your earnings that you're taking out of the business every year. Got it. Cool. That I think that helps define um, the topic a little bit for mm -hmm. the listeners. So do you uh, like, let's jump in. So what are some steps that business owners can take thinking of an exit down the road? What are some steps that they can take now that is going to increase that value and profitability? Yeah, there's a few. There's three key ones I touch on. And, and first is like information, right? So this is a this is an area and this is why um, I started my firm Exit Factor to help people learn about this process is there's so many resources for us as entrepreneurs to learn about how to start a business, maybe how to grow a business, but very few talk about that exit process. And so for that reason, I find a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners just don't know, right? So it starts with informing yourself of like, what is this process going to look like if I decide I want to sell my business? And, and then the second is like, what is my business actually worth? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of business owners don't know that. And, you know, we know that everything's not quite true on the internet that you read. So <laughs> even though there's rules of thumb and calculators out there, it doesn't really actually define what the, okay. your business valuation is. So that's mm -hmm. the, the first thing is just information. I'm sure you guys see that all the time with podcast guests there's so there's a glut of information out there and sometimes you just have to weed through and find the best resources to educate yourself right. totally there's I all think, the, yeah go ahead go ahead there's all those calculators out there we've all done them there's all these like hey like one-on-one -on -one consultation mm -hmm. to do a quick valuation mm -hmm. of your company and all these assessments in the day every industry is different every business is different totally every product and every service is sold differently their value of you know there mm -hmm. might be a a hundred barbershops in one city where yeah. another city might only have two barbershops. The two barbershops right. are worth a lot more than the other hundred. And I don't yeah. think a lot of people understand that. <clears throat> Just like, you know, uh, um, like software companies, the same exact example, you know, how red are your waters first, you know, how much opportunity is there? Totally. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, that kind of talks a little bit about this, like the, my second point is 
focus on financials. So a company is a worth like a function of the quantity of its earnings and the quality of its earnings. Mm. So when we're focusing on the quantity of the earnings, this is the part that most business owners don't love. I mean, I still don't love this, but having really tight and super clean financials is not just important to the value of your business, but whether or not your business is actually sellable. Um, and I think a lot of us as entrepreneurs tend to pass that off to our bookkeepers, our accountants, our CFOs, mm -hmm. and they're all very smart people and they know what they're doing, but nobody knows those financials like the business owner. So, okay. yeah. So when you're thinking about moving towards a sale, you know, especially mm -hmm. like two or three years out, your financials come under a microscope of yep. all kinds of people in a deal. Yep. So making sure you have clean books and records, profit and loss statements, bank sheet or balance sheets, and they all tie to the bank statements mm -hmm. all tied together. Very, very important. Like I said, it's not just about valuation anymore. It's about whether or not the business can sell. Absolutely. Right. I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, we're here in, um, in the e-commerce industry. There's all these companies that are purchasing their brand acquisition companies. And, they're looking at these brands that are direct consumer brands, but they don't have their books in line. Right. And when they go for the to acquire the brand, they open the hood and they see that it's totally dismantled, disorganized. The business doesn't realize, but it's actually bleeding slowly, and then they don't make the sale. So I think that is an amazing point. And I think yeah. all the listeners can can pull value from that. Yeah. yeah. And and yeah, buyers have lots of options, right? So if they pull back the hood and they see a mess, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They'll just move on okay. to a different deal. Yeah, I was just going to bring up the point of, you know, defining what a clean financials is. I feel like a lot of companies think they might have clean financials. We think we do, but I don't know if, I mean, for the most part, right, you want to make sure everything has the right categorization. You want to make sure that your bank statements match your P&L and your balance sheets and everything. Yeah. Don't yeah. You, like, yeah, it's just stuff like that. That's the second point is really big is, you know, making sure that the financial statements tie together. So for a very simplistic example, if you said, say you made a million dollars on your, um, you know, on your P&L and revenue, that needs to be reflected in your bank accounts. And it also has to be reflected on your tax returns and right. all that needs to be tied together, things like that. The other thing just to be careful of is just auxiliary expenses running through the business. Mm. Um, so sometimes we see personal expenses running through the business. Um, and by personal, I don't mean like, you know, you're going shopping and putting like your Nordstrom's bill on it, but things that aren't necessary to the business, right? Mm -hmm. They're more for the owner's benefit. So you mentioned in my intro, I'm part of entrepreneurs organization. It's, um, it's kind of like a community that entrepreneurs can join for support. My membership for that could run through my business, right? Mm -hmm. But that's really for me personally. So it's not benefiting the business. So it's not a business yeah. expense. Um, got it. Yeah. So you got to be careful with how much of that you run through the business, um, especially leading up to sell sale. You can adjust some of it out of it, but it becomes a red flag for a buyer if there's a lot of adjustments. So. Right. Makes sense. Mm. Kind of sounds like your hot yoga class that you run through the business. <laughs> My hot yoga class. Yeah. Is that, is, yeah. That's kind of yeah, a good I mean, example. Is, yeah. We'll reevaluate this after the show, Jessica. We'll <laughs> yeah. have that one the that's, that's like what it, that's downtime, right? That's rest and recuperation. Is that the line item? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Culture, culture. Yeah. Uh, expense, yeah. You know? Culture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. man. So, what's, uh, what's point number three? Yeah. Point number three. So the last one is making the business not about you as the owner. So when we look to sell businesses, we define them as either operator run or owner run. Um, and Michael, Michael Gerber talks a lot about this in the E-Myth. And an operator run business is someone who's involved in day-to-day -day operations. They're really heavily involved in customer acquisition, customer retention, employee management. 
And that is a risky deal for a buyer, right? Because, you know, Kyle, Eli, if you guys are doing business with mm. me, right? And I go away, you could just be like, well, I liked Jess. I don't want to do business with a new person, whoever's in charge. Mm. And yes, yeah, so that's really risky for a buyer versus an owner-led company is someone who stepped out of the day-to-day -day management specifically in those areas I mentioned, you know, customer acquisition, customer retention, employee management, and it de-risks the business. And that automatically increases the valuation of a company. Wow. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Makes, tons Makes of a sense. lot of sense. I, I could definitely see getting cold feet if you got someone that's totally operating the whole deal. Mm -hmm. Unless you had some type of deal with them that they'll stay on payroll for a couple of years to kind of make sure that everything goes smooth and yeah. I think you see that a lot, right? When I, like larger yeah. companies, they make sure to keep the CEO for a bit and like some of the executive members and yeah, yeah, they do in larger transactions when you're right. talking small to mid-sized, that doesn't often go well. Um, mm -hmm. so you know, take myself for an example. At, at this point, I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years. I'm pretty much unemployable, right? right. <laughs> so oh, right. taking yeah, taking somebody who's founded a company and now putting them in an employee role working for someone else oh, who's no, now right making decisions on their baby, right? Um, it doesn't usually go well. So we we usually don't see those contracts um, mm -hmm. for more than 12 months. And even if they're more than 12 months, we don't we don't see them actually coming to fruition that long. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have a vision for your baby, even though it's sold, you still want that vision to be implemented day by day. So you kind of have to remove that the top. That totally makes sense. That makes total sense. So yeah. I know we have someone that they stayed on, on payroll <laughs> for like two years and they were making really good money, but mm -hmm. they just kind of went by the wayside and just kind of did their own thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Instead of more as an opportunity just to make, to cash out even, even more, but yeah, uh, totally. Well, yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think all three of those points really lead to running a business to think about the profitability and right. the sellability of a company. Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs these days, I don't, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think about within the community that, that you're working in and some of those entrepreneurs, but is a, uh, a common theme that you're seeing is building a business to sell it quickly? Is that something that you're, you're hearing a constant theme of? We know that entrepreneurs build, build businesses to sell them, but I think there's a lot of them that are building them as long-term legacy type companies or to really grow them and really scale them. What percentage of the community that you're a part of in Colorado is really in it to sell it, you know, in two to five years? It's still pretty small. Um, I, I'd say probably 10 to 15%. Now okay. that's much bigger than if we look back historically 10, 20, 30 years ago, when we're now addressing the baby boomer generation, right. that's, you know, they designed the com companies for legacy, right? Absolutely. And it, uh, there's a, there's a study I quote a lot and said, I think on average, a baby boomer was predicted to own 1.2 companies in their lifetime. Wow. And a millennial is predicted to own 8.1 companies in their lifetime. That's, uh, that's, that's a yeah. super cool stat. Yeah. So what, that's yeah. cool. Good. Well, so, so I think you're seeing more of it, but I yeah. think too, as, um, as a generation, the millennials are really just stepping into their own, into developing, right. you know, highly successful companies that we're going to see those strategies, um, implemented that you're talking about, like two to five year sale or building to sell, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think there's still, there's not really a strategy behind it, right? There's a vision, yep. right? There's a vision that I'm yep. going to sell this company. There's a horizon, but I don't right. see people really implementing a strategy to put the tactics in place that have to happen before a sale to accomplish that totally. goal or that vision. Yeah. 
Makes that's that an makes insane sense. stat. It is an insane stat. Yeah. And what and what style of businesses are those ones that you're seeing that are really like you said that 10 to 15%? What style of business is that? Uh, it can be anything. I mean, actually, the the biggest community that's doing build to sells are what we call business flippers. Um, so th these flippers will go in, they'll find an industry that's underserved. Um, so we've had a flipper target um, the salon industry. We've had flippers target uh, roofing. So like you you do see it in in tech and e-commerce like you guys are in. But there's also there's almost more opportunity in these it's traditional yeah. Um, main street businesses because there's a lot of opportunity to increase valuation fairly quickly from the baby boomer audience that totally makes sense yeah. i mean i just think of our community right now yeah. how underserved like mm -hmm. anything in the construction area it's mm -hmm. like they just can't there's just not enough even yeah. barbers i mean any anything even barbers yeah even barbers mm -hmm. um yeah. um yeah it's, i just keep thinking of all the different businesses it's such a good point because i think so many people like they think tech it's like yeah. the first thing i don't know maybe it's because we're millennials and that's how our minds think but i think so many people are just like oh tech like start an online business digital yeah. marketing blah, blah, blah all that stuff and it's like well really if you put your time and money into something that's actually like tangible mm -hmm. right like go in pay yeah. come out um there's a lot of opportunity i think yeah, cool about, yeah go, ahead, go ahead no if you think about it like it's it's taking a different perspective of it like every business has a technology component to it now right, right? and if uh if you just go pure tech or e-commerce you, yeah. There is a narrower buyer pool, right, for those types right. of businesses. Whereas, if you're bringing your tech or, or even your ecom experience to some of these more traditional industries, you widen the buyer pool, um, but you also you set yourself at a competitive advantage. I mean, right. there's companies that we still sell today that don't have a website. You know, 2021 don't have a website. It's a really quick, easy value add, right? That right. you can bring as a buyer. That's crazy. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is these service-based companies, maybe these baby, baby boomer-owned companies, are not into that tech era yet. So there's this huge advantage and opportunity if you have a tech background to come in mm. and really bolster that that right. valuation. Create a clean online experience when people are searching for a yeah. uh, plumber locally mm -hmm. or something, and you really get an advantage with that. Mm -hmm. Or barbers. I think barbers is a super it, good idea. Yeah, super, is. super yeah. good point. Um, well, cool, Jessica. We appreciate. It. Is there any other uh, tidbits or, or um, tips you want to kind of say to the to the crowd to kind of really focus on and like own in on like increasing value and profitability? Like, what is one step today that someone can really take yeah. to kind of start jumping in there? Yeah, I think I think we kind of touched on it, but like the goal, if your goal is to sell, like you have to put a strategy in place on how to make that happen. It's just right. it's not going to happen organically. Um, and there are things that you have to have in place to attract buyers and create a competitive landscape for your business. So just like you would set a business plan or a marketing plan, you're you're going to want to have some sort of like um, exit strategy or exit options for your business. Right. Um, and we talked a lot about long-term planning too, but also a, a good good th idea to have in place is having options for your business to exit if if you're forced to do so, right? right. We just went went through a pandemic where, and we're still going through it, where a lot of people felt, faced health issues and, and major right. life changes. And, and those are the things that really spur business owners to sell. It's not this like long-term financial plan. That's why like when yeah. we've talked about the numbers, like 10 to 15%, it's because most of these sales um, are precipitated by a personal event in your life. So I think as a first step is just to figure out like what are what are some exit options for my business? Can I sell it to a third party? Can I sell it to a competitor? Can I pass it on to my employees or shut right. it down, which is a totally viable option too, right? 
Um, so that's really where I tell people to start is just like, think about what your options are right. and then go out and search for some resources to educate yourself, um, as an owner, you know, you can like, there's all kinds of stuff on, on the internet that I mentioned. We, you know, I have a course that you can take and we also have a podcast, my, uh, my business partner and I, that you just had on a couple of weeks ago. And we talk a lot right. about exit strategy and how to increase valuation. That's so cool. That is awesome. Well, that's one place they can find you. Where else can um, our audience reach out to, to get in touch with you? Yeah. So all my resources are at my website, which is jessicafiakovic.com. Um, but the podcast I mentioned is called The Deal Board. It's all the ins and outs of you know how to buy and sell businesses. And we have a lot of great guests on like you guys do too. But it's, it's really pulling back the curtain of like, how do these deals work and what goes mm. wrong and how do you make them go right? That's awesome. It's amazing. Thank you so much, Jessica, for joining us on the Biz Bros podcast. Um, I think everyone's going to definitely oh, yeah. take away with some really good information. Absolutely. I know we did. Um, there's some tidbits in there. So thank you so much for your time. We look forward to having you on another podcast down the road. Thank you both. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Absolutely. If you haven't yet, please check us out. Subscribe to us, Biz Bros podcast, anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Just type it in and do a little Google search. And we appreciate you listening in, watching, and we look forward to talking to you on the next Biz Bros podcast coming real, real soon. See you guys.